in all the years uh, that I've been working with kids, I've worked with, I've probably worked to up to a thousand kids in the these days. This is the attitude I take towards every teenager that crosses my path. When my kids were born, I said, this is how I'm going to treat my kids. I actually believe it's, it's a lot how God looks at me. And I believe it's a lot how God treats me. Okay? So, um, are we ready? You ready to strap in? Okay? Okay, so again, it's the seven keys. And I'm going to talk first about how, well, the first key is believe in your teenager. Believe in them. Okay? God's view of us. God believes in us, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, just look. Look when Peter denied Jesus. What does Jesus say to Peter? You dummy! You coward! You backstabbed me! What a... a, No, Jesus doesn't do any of that. He walks up to Peter after he denied Jesus on the cross and said, feed my sheep. That's how God... That's what God believes in every one of us. He believes in us, no matter our mistakes or our failures in our life. He believes in us. He doesn't label us. God doesn't label us. He did not label Peter. Not only didn't he label Peter a coward, Peter became one of the most courageous Christians of all time because Jesus believed in him and had vision for him. Believe in your teenager. But Phil, this is where he's at. I don't care where he or she is. You as the parent have got to take the posture of believing in them. Uh, Communicate belief in them. They have a natural low self-esteem. They have an identity crisis. They have a lot of uncertainty. Do not character assassinate them because they tend to remember the negative tapes that the parents say to them over and over, like, you never amount to nothing, or you're a loser. Never use those words. Take an overall posture of believing in your kid. Um, As Jesus was, saw beyond Peter's cowardice, see beyond your own hurt and disappointment towards your kids. And be a visionary for them. They don't need all the specifics of all that they do wrong from you. Tell them that they're going to amount to something more often. And be specific. And be specific. Don't flatter them by telling them something they don't represent. Yet find their good character traits, and I'll go through them in a minute. And you need to express it sincerely. You gotta mean it. You gotta really mean it. Jesus meant it when he said to Peter, Feed my sheep. Mean it to your kids when you express vision for them and belief in them. When you express belief in them, it's talking about their character traits. Like, my, my daughter is very strong-willed. And I believe that's a strength of her. I believe she's a leader. 
and I believe she's wrong. She she runs cross country for her high school team. There was a race that she was in. She was a race that she was in. And, and she really, she used to do the acting thing, and she really wasn't an athlete, and she just happened to join cross-country, and she liked it, and I was kind of an aggressive athlete, and my son is actually a, a great athlete, but he's not as aggressive, so he kind of doesn't have my makeup. My daughter has my makeup. She, she got in the race, and this girl near the end of the race got her elbow and stuck it in her before she could. She locked her elbow and said, get out of my way, and ran by her. I go, this girl's got something that she's tough. She's strong-willed. I told her that after a race. I said, you can use that for good. I go, Kira, you've got a strong will. You're a leader. You're, you're tough. Use that to bring glory to God. Um, if it's perseverance and they don't quit and they persevere, tell them that. Uh, righteousness, when they're willing to stand alone for God. If they're at their schools to say, you know what I see in you so-and-so is you stand alone. There are a lot of kids fighting for God the way you are. And you as a parent tell them, say, wow, what a strong Christian you are. Uh, hard worker. Talk about their strong work, work ethic. If they're respectful, if they're respectful towards others, that's a big deal for a teenager today, right? Tell them that. Wow, when you're around adults, you're respectful. It's amazing. Good judgment, uh, being responsible, anything like that. Telling them their character strengths and expressing specifically how it manifests itself will, I guarantee, will live with them forever. Do you think when Jesus said, be my sheep, that that lived with Peter forever? Did Peter expect a rebuke? And he didn't get it. He got, I believe in you. I am entrusting you with my sheep. Not only did you just deny me, but I know your heart. Your kids have good hearts. Show them it. You're the parent. You're the most influential in their life. But express belief in them and be specific in what you see. I got a story. It says, say your son runs cross country. He says, I know you didn't run your best race today in cross country at the high school track event. I'm sorry you're down about that. And like he's really discouraged. He's down and out. Let me tell you something I see in you. You don't quit. You kept pushing yourself to the end of the race. It's not only in track that I see this in you. I see this in you persevering in your schoolwork. I see you persevering with your friends uh, when, when you're hurt by them. I see your faithfulness to God and the others around you unfaithful to God. You are, and you persevere, and you don't quit. That is a strong character. You're an amazing person in my eyes. Well, is that a big deal? To a 14, 15, 16... Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Believe in them. It's the first key to a kid's heart. Thomas Edison said, if people knew the fullness of their, their capabilities, they would literally be astounded. You believe in your children, and they're going to astound you someday. You're going to go, well, they're capable of doing a lot. you got to believe in them. Psalm 127, verse 3... Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from God. Your children are a reward 
from God. Let's treat it that way. Number one, cool? Is that pretty good? Is that pretty fast? Believe in that. Okay, number two. Number two. Understand that. How does God understand us? Psalm 39, verse 13. You created my inmost being. God knows your inner workings, your deepest sorrows, your complexities. He knows your sin. He gives you grace and mercy. He understands everything about us. And he stays there and he continues to walk with us. He knows us. He knows our inner selves. You can pray to him at any time about any insecurity, any fear, any fear, anything in your life. God understands. When your spouse doesn't understand you, God understands you. He does. He knows what's going on. And God understands us. We've got to be like that for our teenage. Very powerful scripture in understanding us. And I'm going to let my wife speak to this. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Oh, this is so powerful. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Your kid is deep waters. It's not simplicity. What are your kids, the drama that your daughters are going through, the insecurities that your sons are going through. You know, you can't do your best guesswork and say, whoa, it's this or that. No, it could be seven different things. You could be way off in what you think it is. You think, oh, they just, you know, they're up, they're just mad um, getting up and having breakfast. They're just mad at me. No, they're not mad at you. They're insecure about going to school. They're not mad at you. think they're mad at you, and you are mad at them for being mad at you, and you're barking up the wrong tree. It's, it's very big with teenagers, isn't it? Yeah. But we've got to take the higher role. We're the adults. We can't act like teenagers to our teenagers. Yeah. We've got to take the higher role, and we've got to be the adults. Yeah. And men, men... A man of understanding draws up these hearts. From the book, Understanding Your Teenager. Kids, listen to this. Kids who, I, I cry at some of this stuff because I, I just worked with kids for 25 years. Kids who thrive. And you want your kids to thrive. I know I've got good-hearted parents here because you wouldn't be here. Kids who thrive during their adolescence usually have parents who care enough to understand them and stay involved. Those are the kids who thrive. There's a number of things we could talk about with understanding them, but since we have to be brief, my wife is going to choose one. Is that right? I'm going to do a yeah, sure. Please be brief. Yeah, okay. Um, one of the... Right. Key number two, we got seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll just say that one of the things I think is important um, that I have found working with other people's kids and then my own is um, not that I'm good at it, but it's just thinking back to how I thought and how I felt as a teenager, and that can help me a lot to maybe maybe what I thought or felt in that situation was different from specifically what they're feeling or thinking, but it, it reminds me that there's something else going on. 
it reminds me that I have to stop and, and think and not just react, but to think, okay, something else is going on here, and, um, you know, not just to react to things. Um, I'll just say briefly, there are a lot of things going on conceptually. The kids are starting to think differently. They, they're having new thoughts, new ideas that they really hadn't entertained before. They can think on a more abstract level. And it's exciting to them. They're kind of playing with new ideas and things. But at the same time, it's throwing them off, too. And they're kind of testing out their new thoughts and ideas. And guess on who? You know, on us. Because we're the safest ones to do that with. And so, um, you know, they're questioning everything. And they're questioning us and how we parent and why we do what we do and, and all kinds of things like that. That can be trying. But again, like if we let that get to us, then we're going to maybe end up in a fight or something. But if we just like, take a step back and go, okay, we're just trying to figure this out, you know, and, and not react like, what? You never ever want to speak of God again? What? You, you know, like, no, that's not true. They're just kind of throwing that out there and testing the waters, and they're going to see how you're going to react to it. And they're kind of seeing how they're going to react to it, too. Like, they, they're just kind of throwing things out there. Um, they have a lot of difficulty organizing their thoughts and their minds and, um, you know, their reasoning skills are still developing. And so when you say to go clean your room and they don't, they, they really just might not know how. I mean, it might just really take, like, okay, start with all the writing utensils, pick those up off the floor. Start with, the, you know, then go to the clothes, pick those up, you know, and helping them think of how to organize. A lot of times in the mornings, you know, when they're rushing out and they, they're forgetting things and you've told them, many times, the backpack, the note that you were supposed to take back, I signed it, get it, you know. Um, they're, they're not thinking about that. That is like last on their list of importance because they're about to go into school with lots of girls and boys, you know, they're wanting to impress the other sex, depending on what age they are, um, and even if they're and trying to impress the same sex, you know, they've, they've got a pecking order, and they've got, they're, you know, I have to go in again today and figure out where I stand, and is it the same as yesterday, or is it different, and, oh, I might see that girl, and what do I say to her if it's a boy, or, oh, I might even see that boy, and is he going to notice me today, and they have so much else on their minds besides the things that we're worried about them. Um, the relationships are shifting from importance, you know, from feeling like before where we had so much influence on them, we do still have that influence, but momentarily they would prefer the influence of their friends. And it's important that we recognize that and um, but still keep our influence in there. And, um, you know, they're looking at how they want to be the same and different from us. Um, and that's okay. It's okay. I think our kids have a sort of tricky place to be because all kids individuate. They all come to a place where they're going to separate themselves from their parents' you know, their parents' identity. That's really tricky for our kids because they're growing up and they're seeing that God is super important in our lives, that God is all-powerful, almighty, all-awesome, and, um, and we're all about him. <laughs> so now what do they do? They see that God is great and good, but God's identified with us in their minds, and they're trying to individuate from us. Right. So what do they do now? They're kind of stuck. Do I go with God, but then I'm going to go with my parents, but I wanted to separate from my parents, but God is over there with my parents. 
how do I handle that? It's a tricky place to be. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, you know, it can be really tempting to feel afraid, you know, when they're um, when they're questioning things and they're pulling back or they don't want to go to something or this or that. But I think um, just I don't think there's like one answer to that. I just think knowing what's going on for them can be helpful for us to not worry, you know, and give way to fear. Um, okay. Because I've got something that ties in with that. Okay. Fits with everything. Sure. And and I've got and Chris Chris has great notes that she can send you. And I've got I've got the seven keys on one piece of paper that I'm going to give everybody at the end. Um, but I do want to get um, I just do I do want to stay on this because you know uh, the things we're not going to talk about is the team brain development, which Chris has excellent material on, and we're not going to talk about puberty, which is well. Um, um, uh, we're not going to talk about teens seeking love and acceptance because that's what they are seeking and it better be at the home or it's going to be in the world and they're going to get in trouble Yeah, it'll be with bad people so it better be at home but I do want to connect with what Chris says about the the autonomy they're seeking this is my favorite line of all parenting teenagers seek autonomy they fire you as a parent and they hire you back as a consultant Okay. That's what I'm telling you they do that. And I want to get into some practical things. Let me just say this. You are the absolute most influential people in their lives. I don't care what they say about their friends, what they say about other people. You are the most influential. And here are some strategies. Um, they, still, they need guidance, direction, and they need influence. Um, they need spiritual influence. How do you how do you give them spiritual influence? You reason with them. Don't argue with them. Don't yell at them. You reason with them. When they bring up scenarios, they know what you're about, like Chris said. They know that you're all about God. Reason with them as far as, well, here's what I believe would happen in this situation and what what I believe. Hey, all these kids, you know, want to go to this party. There is drugs and there's drinking there. Hey, you know, what would I do? Hey, I wouldn't go. I would stand alone. I would stand alone. I wouldn't be afraid to stand alone and says, hey, because of the drugs and the drinking, I'm not going there. And and I would be very brave with the kid. And I would, I, I said, that's what I would do. I would just, I, I would be some, and I believe, and I tell them, I believe you have that character to be able to do that. But you have to put that into action. But you've got to reason uh, with them. Uh, help them make their own decisions from their reasoning. And if they're in a really tough situation and you disagree with what they say, get help from other parents here on what to do. And I believe that's the beauty of the Van Arkins and Arsenals and what family we brought in Metro. We got advice from each other. Mike has gotten a lot of advice about his kids from Chris and I. I've asked, I've asked Mike about my boy and gotten advice about, uh, from him and gotten lots of advice from my daughter. You need to get advice from other strong spiritual people. Does that make sense? Strong spiritual people. Also, in, in helping during understanding them, you have to help these kids get relationships where they can relate with people who are spiritual that are their age. And here's what I'll say to that. And help understand that. You've got to do the work to get them to where there are teenagers who are spiritual. You cannot isolate your kid. 
Isolation is Satan's domain. If you isolate your kid, if you don't get them with other Christian, other Christian teenagers, and whether it's whether it's being dominated in sports, or whether it's being, oh, it's too far to drive here, or it's too far, far there. And I do want to encourage you is to bring your kids to team camp. There is a church in New London, Connecticut, that we have an all-New England team devotional once a month. Not only are they there every month, they drive two hours on a Friday night. They're the first ones there. Every time Tim and Kim, Tim Adams shows up at quarter of seven, 7.30 to vote. Tim, you just came from New London, Connecticut. And let me tell you, they baptize their kids, and they have a very, very strong ministry because their parents want them to go, and they get them to the fellowship. So that's, to understand your kid, you've got to understand that they need, there are strength in numbers for these kids. And when they see many faithful teenagers, they go, whoa, I can do it. When I go back to my school alone, I can do it. Because these other kids, are, even, if, even if you get them there once every other month, even if you get, or if you just get them to camp once a year, they're going, we had 470 teenagers at camp. It was like, wow. Wow. That's awesome. And since camp, five kids got baptized. Now, like as Chris said, a lot of them were mostly ready anyway, but these guys but pushed over the edge because they go, wow, look at how excited these kids are. So to understand them, you've got to understand that they need other relationships. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, bottom line is the more you understand your team, uh, and you help them navigate through this time, the more you bring out the best in them. Okay, and I'll send you all my notes because I can't go. So the first key is believe in them. The second key is understand them. The third key is to walk with them. Believe in them, understand them, walk with them. Uh, God walks with us. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does God say? I will be there with you. I will comfort you. Okay? We've got to be there for their kids. Walk with your teenager. Uh, teens need quantity time. Practice presence in your teenager's life. I know I was talking to one dad from Vermont, and he said, you know, my son is 16 and my daughter's this age, and, and you know, uh, what should I do? You know, he's at this time. I go, keep invested in him. Keep invested. He's 16. Keep spending time with him. Do things that he likes. And then at times, have good spiritual talks with him. But not every time you get with him. Have laid back time with him. But they need quantity time. I took my daughter on dates. When she was growing up as a teenager, we went on dates. We went to, we went bowling. Uh, we went out for walks. We went to the movies. But she loved the dates. I took her. I adore my daughter. Take your daughter on dates. But when we can come up with 79 things we can do to spend quantity time. Um, two special times. My, my son's 13th birthday, I did, well, we, did, we did something special because he became a teenager. I took him to Pittsburgh. Why? I don't know. It was random. I took him to a Pirates game. Uh, and then after that, we drove to Canton, Ohio, which isn't far from Pittsburgh. We went to the Football Hall of Fame. We had a stinking blast. That was all for him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I hate when people challenge my selfishness.
Jewish voters. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Uh, but uh, I was called out. No, that's good. I like that. I like that. Uh, but no, we had a blast. My daughter, I took it to, uh, we drove to New York for her 13th birthday. We went to see Wicked. She's, still, she's 18 years old. She talks about it still today as one of her best memories of all time. Walk with your kids. Stay invested in them. They need you to be invested with them. And not just quantity time. Let me get my papers. I did get up early this morning. So let me make sure. Um, no, I did, I did that. We need to pass that page. Um, is also quality time. Uh, they need quality time. What do I mean by quality time? Parents need to be spiritual. You need to have a quality walk with God so when you're spending time with them, that you're spending quality, spiritual time with them. Deuteronomy 6 tells us to impress God on our kids. If you're not impressed with God, you can't impress God on your kids. You've got to be impressed with God. And it's your quality. I'm telling you, I don't care what stage your kids are at. I don't care if they're at the worst spiritual state right now. You will influence them for God if you show it by your examples. Teenagers are at an impressionable age. They can better understand a relationship with God with parents who have a quality walk with God. A parent... who is invested in the church, who is more invested in the church and God than they are sports, more invested in church and God than they are their career, more invested in church and God than anything else. What's more important? It's not your career. It's not if your kid has good statistics. It's if they get to eternity. And you will say that on your deathbed, and you know that. We know that, right? So a quality... Quality is your walk with God and you being invested in the church. And they see that. And that's going to make an impression on them. Whoa. That's going to make an impression on them. Won't talk about that. What they need to see is a faith-filled, joyful, thankful, persevering, contented outlook of the present and the future. And and, And that is the greatest sermon your teenager could ever see. It's you having an enthusiastic faith. I love this about Thomas Edison. No matter where you are in life, to have an enthusiastic faith. I'm 55 years old, man, and God has not stuck a fork in me. And I'm not done, man. I'm going. And my kids know it. My kids see it. Even at 20 and 18, I'm still crazy after all these years. I love this. Thomas Edison, his lab burnt down at 67 years old. This is, did he go get depressed and discouraged? No, he said, kids, go get your mother. She'll never see another fire like this ever in their lives. <laughs> then soon afterward, soon afterward, he got a fresh start and he just kept going. But he had such an enthusiastic spirit. That needs to be our faith. And our kids need to see it. If, even if we're in the middle of job insecurity, our kids need to see an enthusiastic faith. Our kids need to see faith-filled outlook, and it'll make an impact on them. In parenting, so much depends on what they observe from you, whether it's 
for better or for worse. They need quantity and quality time. So you've got to believe in them, understand them, and watch with them. We're on key number four. Okay? Are you doing all right? Are you getting it? Come on, fellas. Isn't it? I mean, so it's all, it's all, it's big picture. This is what you do over years. Okay, this is not small picture. I, I am giving you some things you can do as you go, but this is big picture. Believe in them, understand them, walk with them, teach them the heart. Teach them the heart. The Bible is not a rule book. The Bible is not a rule book. It's a book about a relationship. Yeah. The whole book is about a relationship with God. Matthew 5 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart. The ones who see that book, this Bible, as it's about a God wants a relationship with you. He wants it. He's dying for it. He sent his son to die for you. Because he wants a relationship with you that badly. God wants a relationship with your teenager. Teach them the heart. Acts 13.22, God says, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after his father's own heart? No, a man after my own heart, after God's own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Not a man after a parent's heart, but a man after God's heart. You have to help your son slash daughter have a pure heart walk with God. Guide them to seek faith on their own. Let them ask any question. Listen to their questions. And you ask them questions. Help them think logically. Help them go back to the Bible and study it out themselves. Tell them about your heart. That's very important. You share your heart about God with them then give them space to ponder things and discover their own faith through their experience in life. And this includes their mistakes. You've got to teach them the heart. You know, talking about telling about your heart, you know, this eldest son in New York, uh, he was struggling and late, I forget how old he was, he was like 18 or 19 when he became a Christian and you know, we asked him, what impacted you on making a Christian? He says, well, every time my dad made a mistake, my dad would just apologize. I looked at his example and I said, I can do that. I can do that. When I make a mistake, be remorseful and apologize and say sorry. And the kid became a Christian. And he's a faithful Christian today. Because he saw his father have a humble heart. Everyone's got to make mistakes, but he apologized to his kids every time. Pure-heartedness, the father, breeds pure-heartedness, the son. The son saw the example of humility, and he says, I can apologize. I know I'll make mistakes, but I can apologize. In asking them questions, as far as to help them get a pure heart, Socrates said that teachers help students discover truth for themselves by asking questions that make them think logically because they'll more likely own that faith 
since they discovered it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Help your kids discover their faith on their own. Because that's what's going to last to eternity. Amen? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many questions Jesus asked in the, go- in the Gospels to help build people's faith? 267 questions mm-hmm. Jesus asked in the Gospels to help others build their own faith. If that's how Jesus do it, did it, do we have a better way? David, on his volition, loved his God. Helped them love their God on their volition. Only rules or excessive rules and punishment can lead to rebellion. When Christianity is just rules, they can look for loopholes, for example, if the rule is to come to church, I'll come and I'll have an attitude. There's a lot of things that they can do. So what do you want to do? You want to help nurture them. You want to help teach them. You've got to tell them the heart behind their personal walk with God. Don't tell them to have a quiet time. Don't say, go have a quiet time. Help them understand their heart behind their personal walk with God. That God desires a relationship with you. He wants to bless you. He cares for you. He wants to walk with you. He's giving you a purpose. And he desires that relationship. What, what about spending time with him? He's got this great dream for you. The heart behind Jesus' commands. Don't tell them just to obey Jesus' commands. Tell them the heart behind it. He wants to protect you. He doesn't want you to be destroyed. Those who sow according to the sinful nature reap what? Destruction. <coughs> Jesus is trying to protect you. Yes. He desires to you, for you to have spiritual and emotional health. How about the heart behind church? It's a community of believers who can care for you and where you can be cared for. That's the heart behind church. Let's nurture and teach the heart behind their walk with God. Teach them the heart for them to have a pure heart. Believe in them. Understand them. Walk with them. Teach them the heart. Number five. Number five. Encourage them. Encourage them. And this is different than believing in them. And I'll tell you in a minute why. God encourages us often. I'll give you one word to prove it. And it'll prove up the science. You ready for the word? Grace. Every day. Does that encourage you? I'm sorry, it stinking encourages me. And God's kindness even leads us to repentance. When you understand grace you are going to be an off-the-charts Christian. Yeah. You're going to be one passionate man and woman for God. God encourages us every day, just even through grace. Encourage your team. There's no limits to how much you can encourage them. Ephesians, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Hebrews 3, verse 13, encourage one another daily. Guys, teens naturally lack Courage. Not one teenager, I believe in this all my heart, not one teenager ever crossed my path who is confident. I believe every teenager out in that world lacks confidence. And they're very insecure. 
And some of it, well, what about the emboldened ones? Oh no, they're some of the more insecure ones. Your teenager lacks courage. Don't get that wrong. And you need to help give them that courage. You know, some of you might say, well, if I encourage him too much, then he, he won't work on the things he needs to work on. He knows what he needs to work on. You've already told him a hundred times. <laughs> and that's extremely discouraging if you hold back encouragement because that's what you believe from that. Again, I'm not talking about flattery. Don't tell them that they're the greatest of the greats or compare them to other people. Never compare your kid to other people. They're not better than anybody else. They just need their improvements, no matter how little, to be recognized by you and encouraged on a daily basis. Be generous with encouragement. There are no limits. I make a goal that the major majority of the times that my kids leave my presence, that they are encouraged. My son and my daughter, the major majority, they leave my presence. And I believe it's happening throughout their lives. The major majority of the times that they leave encouraged, they leave built up. I find them in the act of doing something good. I find it, I'm purposeful about it, and I tell them. And I tell them often. That makes sense? So the, the belief is more their character. The encouragement is their everyday little things. Thanks for doing your chore. Man, I, I know it, you don't even know how much how encouraging that is. Hey, the um, you know, when we were in church the other day, you know, you, you walked up to uh, you walked up to Mike and, and you would just you were just so respectful, and you were just so, you know, you talked to Mike, you, you were respectful, you had a great comment, you were great with adults, it's amazing the way that, that you interact with adults, so find them in the act of doing something good, anytime that they reach out to someone who, who was unlovable, wow, the way you walked over to that person who was standing alone, i sorry, you're unbelievable at that, you, that, thank you for doing that, you know how much you made them feel, you know how much good you're going to make them feel when you do that? So whether it's chores on time, homework done, when they show compassion in a situation. Encouragement helps them find strength in God. When you encourage them, you give them the strength to take on that, that evil world out there. And, and they need to leave your presence emboldened to be able to fight Satan's temptations and their friends who are trying to pull them into the world. Brief summary. Believe in them, understand them, walk with them, teach them the heart, encourage them. Now, here's, so now we're kind of going into point number six, but there is, point number six, I believe, will be rendered ineffective unless these five things are well in place. Number six is critical, but without these five, Number six is ineffective. So make sure that you are constant, uh, believing in them, understanding them, walking with them, teaching them the heart, and encouraging. And when you do that, number six is pretty dynamite. 
Expect from them. You've got to expect from them. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. God disciplines us all the time, right? And when we look back at our life, the hardest times in our life, what do we say? That's when I learned the most. We want teenagers with a backbone when they're adults. Our kids need to have a backbone. Okay, that world is evil out there. If they're going to stand and be strong Christians and stand alone, we're going to have to build expectations in our teenagers. Do I have an amen to that? This is with those five things in place, though. Because then they go, whoa, that's from dad who believes in me and encourages me. Whoa, okay, okay, this is real now. He's saying this out of love. Teens can make bad decisions and not take responsibility and desire laziness. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 29, 21. If a man pampers his servant from youth, he will bring grief in the end. If a man pampers his kid from youth, he will bring grief in the end. Mm-hmm. They need to be prepared for life And they need to be ready to take on the world when they leave home. No matter their outward response, or how much it hurts them at times, or how much it hurts you. Because you see your kid hurting because you're just disciplining them. You need to expect of them. Now let me give you a little history. The word or label teenager did not come about until the 1950s. This is when it appeared in American dictionaries. It became popular in culture around the mid-50s. These are the baby boomers whose parents paid for their college. These kids got more given to them than what the past generations of kids got. Teenagers before the 50s were considered and treated more as young adults. Actually, in the Bible, where it's written young men, it more accurately is translated young adult. You don't want your kids childhood extended, right? At 30 years old, you don't want them living in your house. Okay? But then you need to expect from them. You need to expect from them. You need to expect them, if they are Christians, and they made their commitment that Jesus is Lord, or they're studying the Bible, and they, and they said to you, you know, I really want to do this. I really want to put Jesus first. Then if they make that commitment then you must make sure that they hold on to Jesus' teachings. And you talk to them when they're not. Whether it's pornography, whether it's disrespect, whether it's laziness, you must speak to them. Okay? Don't be harsh, but you must speak to them. Expect them to be responsible. Expect them to follow through with their word. If they do say something, say they'll do something, you make sure they follow through. You know, Scott at 11 years old played lacrosse. And my wife called me in the game and it was raining out. It was cold. And he's 11, he's thin, he's scrawny at that time. He's gotten a little bit bigger. And uh, so he's playing out there. He was freezing. And my wife called me and said, it's, um, uh, it's halftime and Scott wants to go home. He's done. I go, Chris, he does not. He plays the rest of the game, and he plays the rest of the season. 
He signed up. He signed up for the season. He does not have to play after this year. If he doesn't like lacrosse, God bless the kid, go do something else. I don't care what it is. But he plays that game. He plays in the cold. He plays in the rain. And he will finish that game. And he will finish that season. Scott, to this day, is not a quitter. Scott is not a quitter because he was expected from, from his parents. And we've got to teach our kids to be responsible. If they said, I'm going to play this, and I'm going to do this, then they do it. Okay? So I think that my son is not a quitter, but it's because he was expected from. Expect them to take responsibility when they make mistakes. If they make a mistake to an adult in the church, they go and apologize. Don't go stick up for your son. My son makes a mistake. He needs to go and apologize. He's not going to get protection from me. I'm not. Pro if he sins against somebody, I'm not protecting him unless I send him back to apologize and say sorry. But some of us overprotect our kids like our kids can't do things. Yeah, they do a lot wrong. And they need to take responsibility for it. Amen? Mm -hmm. Expect them to work hard and persevere. Thomas Edison said, Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. we got to expect <laughs> our kids to work. I'll tell you this. I, I will just... I'll put my, my life... I'll, I'll just throw myself under the bus. I am not good. I was terrible as a parent in my kids doing chores. And I, I believe Mike and Scott were really... That just wasn't... I did some really good parenting things. I did, I did a poor job with that. And, and I, I'll just be bundled with here. I still take out the trash. Like, Mike's kids doesn't do that. I take out the trash. I still mold. I've got a 20-year-old boy and an 18-year-old girl. And, and yeah, shit, I talked to Scott about it. And I talked to Kira about it. But I blew it. I blew it. Expect them to work hard and persevere... Uh, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord and not for men. And let me just say, no, I, I, I'm almost done. I want to finish this point and then my last one is really fast. Expect good judgment. Help them navigate through life and expect them to make good judgments. Teach them the ability to choose between right and wrong. That is a, that's what my kids are good at. Did you hear that, Jake? That's what my kids are good at. <laughs> They do make real... My son does stand alone for God. And I, I'm just challenging to hold up my son. He uh, played AAU basketball, and he went away with all these varsity kids, captains of teams. My son was the captain of his high school basketball team. They went away, and he was by himself without his parents. And they passed around a joint. They were all smoking pot. And these are very influential kids. Got kids that um, Scott respected. It got to Scott, and he says, I don't smoke pot. The kid looked at him and said, I respect you. I respect you that we're all doing this and you are saying no. What Chris and I have taught our kids is to make good judgments. And when they are alone, to make that's not the only time he stood alone. There was another time that his school play went, um, they went away and they was going to watch, they were watching pornography. He walked out of the room. He didn't watch any of it. He walked out of the room. Expect good judgment from your kid. There is a part of the brain for exercising judgment uh, that's, that's not quite matured yet in teenagers, in the brain development. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. But guess what part is maturing more? 
taking risks. Okay? So, judgment is lacking, taking risks isn't. Ah, did that describe your team? Okay, that's good. (laughs) But you know what? You know what can accelerate brain development more? Is parents teaching their kids good strategies and good judgments. You know, one issue... Help your kid not follow the crowd in doing stupid things. Someone once said, all intellect has its limitations, but with stupidity, there are no limits. <laughs> and it's true. Guys, you've got to help your kids not hang around with the wrong crowds. That's a big deal. And I will say it again. You've got to help your kids hang around with strong Christians, their age, and strong families. Um, Proverbs 3.21.22 says my son persevere in sound judgment and discernment do not then let them out of your sight for they will be light for you and lastly under um, expect for them don't do things for them that they can do for themselves you know George Patton's father wrote him a letter after he fell on the seventh hurdle in a track race in school He says, you must school yourself to meet defeat and failure without bitterness and take your comfort in having striven worthily and done your best. And then his father said to him, I miss you. I wish I could be with you and help you bear your disappointments when they come. But I cannot, and indeed would not if I could. You have to fight your battles alone to meet victory and defeat as becomes a man and a gentleman. I have no fears for you. I know you are doing your best, and that all you, that's all you can do. When you have done that, for me, you have won. Is that powerful? Yeah. Is that a powerful letter that he wrote his son? That is powerful. We've got to let our kids fail. Know that we're with them with heart, but they've got to meet their battles without bitterness. Yeah. And you've got to help them meet those battles. They'll learn. They'll thrive. And if you put these seven keys into practice, they're likely to thrive. Treat them as a child, they'll act like a child. Treat them as a young adult, and they'll most likely act as a mature adolescent. Last one. Very brief. Last one. if I can, I always do this in the top of my head. Believe in them, understand them, walk with them, teach them the heart, encourage them, expect from them. Guys, never, never, never give up on them. Never. Never give up on them. Some of their character changes are harder to change than others. They will have storms, some will have tornadoes. They may even last for years. Never give up on them. When do you think they need you most? I can think of a hard time my daughter went through, and I knew when she needed me most. And every day, I told her how much I loved her. And she got through it. She got through it. And I knew the big picture. And this is what I'm talking about. This is what 
I'm talking to the bold. I don't know how you pronounce your last name. Bowser. That this is their first. If they do this for their kids, their kids gonna thrive. Their kids gonna thrive. Never give up on them. Have the big picture in mind. Never give up on them. Write out their storms with them. You're gonna be disappointed. You may even disapprove, and you may be very. You may be extremely hurt. Their behavior may be signaling to you that they're giving up on themselves. That's the thing. When they're going through hard times, it's not about you. You be the mature adult. Yeah. It's more that they've given up on themselves. You stay with them. You keep believing in them. You keep feeding them encouragement. You keep loving them. You keep expecting from them. But you never, never give up on them. When you never give up on them, it communicates to them in the loudest of ways, unconditional love. When you treat them as Jesus treats you, you most likely will win their heart. You don't give up on them, and when they're an adult, you're going to be super proud of what they become. In conclusion, have the long term in mind as you raise your children, no matter where your family is today. I don't care how old your kids are. You put these seven keys in practice, it'll, it'll pay eternal dividends. Uh, two responses I got from this class in the past. Number one, a mom, she typed out these seven keys. She put them on her refrigerator to help her throughout the year in raising her teens. She put those seven keys. She says, wow, that really impacted me on how I need to treat my children. Another kid, I did, I did this in Berlin, Germany. The kid was 20 years old. He was a youth worker for their high school ministry, and he came up to me afterward. He said, Phil, after listening to you, it made me only wish my parents were this for me. But even now, I hope someday that they'll be this for me. At 20 years old, he said, I hope one day my parents will be this for me. Why should you be this for your kids because that's who God is for you. God believes in you. Even as a parent. Even when you don't know what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing many times. God still believed in me. God understands you. And will be in all your lonely times as a parent. He'll be there for you. He was there for me. I've cried many tears. Because I knew God was there and I didn't know what to do. God understood me. And he guided me through those times. God walks with you. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God walks with us. God, through the scriptures and prayers, teaches us the heart. How to have a pure heart. Let's teach our kids that. God encourages you daily. One word, grace. He encourages you daily with strength to fight temptation. God expects from you. He expects from you to follow His ways. And how to parent. His ways. God will never give up on you. Go and treat your team likewise. Guys, let's do this together. And it's going to pay great dividends. It's going to give you emotional health with your child. And it's going to give your child spiritual health. Amen. I love you guys. Amen. We'll have some questions. Thank you. Everyone can take one of these. This is uh, this is a majorly abbreviated.
and uh, just give everybody one, and you can have that for yourself. So I think we're going to, do you want to take a break and then do questions, Mike, or do you want to just tell... Anybody feels like they need to get up and go or get something up quick, but I feel like we need to. Okay. Um, but I think at this time what we could do is it could be more specific or if you wanted to comment or say thanks on, on something that Phil has said. Um, I think it's great that this was a big picture idea, and this certainly won't. Sure, videos have many specific questions, maybe, where it's our own kids or for the kids in our church. So I think we should feel free to ask them since there's so much experience here at the time. And we may not get the exact answer, but we may get a big picture answer. Um, but I think it's good, nevertheless, to ask. So if anybody wants to, to ask questions, what's the average time between being fired as a parent and being hired as a consultant? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> depends on the kid, depends on our parenting, right? Yeah. That's the truth. Our, our biggest battle with, with Claire has been um, social media. Uh, it's hugely... Um, and 